It takes years to build a business that sustains a family and is worth passing on. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work closely with clients to provide the financing, cash management, and deposit products necessary to grow a business. So your life's work will continue to prosper once it's in someone else's hands. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. When you're drinking a frozen beverage from McDonald's, your brain may not like how refreshingly cold it is, but the rest of your body, oh yes, it's going to relish every moment of it because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get all the chill you need for just $1.69 from any size frozen drink, like a frozen Fanta Blue Raspberry, to a new ice-cold lemonade. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Did you know this podcast is powered by Acast? Acast is the home of podcasting. For creators looking for freedom to grow their listeners and make money, too. And creative brands looking for smart ways to advertise. Podcasters and advertisers in the know know Acast. It's time you did, too. Visit Acast.com to find out more. Acast. For the stories. And welcome to today's Wolves Fancast. Richard Hobbs here to preview the upcoming derby match. Um, first of the season that we've got against Aston Villa. I am joined by Dan Wiseman from the Heart of Holt podcast. Dan, how are you today? Yeah, I'm really good. How are you? Thanks for very much having me on. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I think we, we've done a couple of these now where we've been having sort of a bit more of an in-depth chat with, um, I guess, sort of supporters of... Um, opposition who we've got coming up and I think it's a really good insight to um, see how I guess clubs are viewed from a sort of slightly different perspective obviously you know you're a Villa fan um, for, for your sins and it, it's um, you know it's good to sort of get a bit a bit more of an in-depth knowledge about what's happening at Villa at the moment because as I said just before we started it's been an interesting start to the season for yourselves and some really kind of high profile results um, but I'm also kind of keen to hear your views on Wolves as well because I think a lot of the time uh, within football, you get caught in your own little bubble a lot of time and how you perceive your own football club and how other people um, often do as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, um, uh, you know, in, in regards to Wolves, um, I, I'm not a, a particularly a, a Villa fan that gets caught too much in this whole derby stuff and everything that, that you're, <laughs> you're a club that, you know, I think a lot of fans would probably be a hesitant to admit that they admire but I'm, I'm not one of those you know you guys have been um I, it's really good to see a Midlands side competing as well in Europe as you guys did last season I mean you know you guys went out in the quarterfinal of, of the Europa League and, and that's no shame to go out to a side like Sevilla yeah. who are you know the, the kings of that tournament and you know it's, it's been really good to see a, a Midlands side getting up there and competing I mean hey I'd much rather it have been us guys but of course but no it's it's been really good and you're a side that as I said you know you've been you've for a long time now that the vision that you guys have had and you've really been a model example 
or how of how to come up from the championship and, and progress in the Premier League and really establish yourselves in in a really short amount of time. Um, and and we're still in the process of trying to do that, and and that's what this season has reflected. You know, last season was. You know, we, we came up from the championship and we weren't really expecting to that, that soon. Obviously, we went through Steve Bruce and, and don't I'm not prepared to talk about that. <laughs> I was um, going to say, then, we'll, you know, we'll move away from Bruce Ball, I think. <laughs> God, yeah, honestly, please. Um, and, then, and then Dean Smith came in and we had this crazy 10-match win run and it just picked up pace. We were 13th when Dean Smith took us over. And I think, you know, when he was appointed, the message was really, you know, bide us through until the end of the season, finish respectively, and then we'll go again next season. And we just put this crazy momentum together and, and suddenly we went up and last season was just very much about finishing just above the dotted line. And, and we did that by the skin of our teeth. And then this season is, is the first real one where we're looking to make strides. I think the signing the signings have reflected that there's been some, some really positive early results, but we've sort of plateaued out a little bit now. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's been a, it's a difficult question to answer actually, because I don't really know what, how good Villa are yet. It's been a fascinating one. I think every sort of football fan's under the impression, I think quite rightly, that it's going to be a strange season. And you look at Villa's start to the season um, and almost their form, it's almost gone from being, you know, you know, four wins out of five to being one win in four or whatever it is now. And, you know, I think a lot a lot of it is just about it almost averaging out. But I don't think that takes anything away from Villa's start to the season. And I guess what was work was done at the back end of last season to ensure survival, um, because that, that, that is important, but sort of the post, um, you know, the project restart um, games, actually Villa did, did pick up enough points to stay up and stay up kind of relatively comfortable in the end. But I think a lot of the, the work done in that um, post-season, in terms of the acquisitions that you've made, and uh, as you sort of quite rightly alluded to, the, the strength down the spine of the team uh, for Villa seems to be something something else these days. Um, you know, we appreciate Ross Barkley's out, but Grealish has really kind of stepped up his game now. Ollie Watkins, of course, was a big money signing as well. And of course, um, Emmy Martinez in goal. I mean, how, how much do you kind of contribute to those guys' uh, success kind of going forward? Oh, well, it's, it's you know, they have been the difference. It's, it's really that simple. Um, Emmy Martinez is such an underrated goalkeeper. You know, he set, you know, he saved a penalty in his first game, our first game of the season against Sheffield United. We won one nil at home. He saved a penalty in that game. And from that moment on, he's just come on in leaps and bounds. He's a goalkeeper who sort of really exploded onto the scene last season with Arsenal. And I think just to pick him up for £20 million has been a really inspired piece of business and probably the best bit of business we did this summer, despite some of the other acquisitions. Um, Russ Barkley speaks for himself. You know, he's he's a player that has just added a sense of dynamism and he just takes some of the pressure off Jack's shoulders in that creative sense, whereby Jack last season, if, you know, if you, we were sort of like Palace have been in, in recent years, whereby if you stop Zahar, you stop Crystal Palace. Yeah. And it was similar with Jack, whereby, you know, if, if you nullified Jack, you know, because we started to play him out on the left, just because we were so desperate to get him into the final third, if you could pin him up against the touchline with a, a low-lying centre midfielder and a right-back, you could nullify Villa pretty easily. And all Russ Barkley gives us is that other problem. And it's a shame because we were sort of hoping, you know, he picked up that hamstring really early in our Brighton game. We then had the, the Newcastle game 
postponed because of their COVID problems. And we were sort of hoping that that two weeks would be enough time to get him fit. This game's probably become come a, a week too soon. Um, so we won't see him, unfortunately, but he's been great. And then Ollie Watkins is is a player who's who's had a really interesting start to the season, actually. You know, he had that hat-trick in that 7-2 win against Liverpool, which uh, I'm going to mention as many times as I can. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, don't um, blame you. <laughs> and, uh, he, but he's one of those players whereby I think the jury is still out for some Villa fans because he's had two really good games, you know, against... Liverpool and against Arsenal but in other games he sort of faded out a little bit and I think he's he's just an out and out finisher and I think he's slowly adapting to the Premier League and being able to add more to games in just more of a scoring sense you know he's been sort of one of those strikers for Villa whereby if he's not hitting the back of the net which he's done you know in two or three games he doesn't really contribute to the overall progression and attack throughout the match and so He's still settling in, but he's shown some glimpses, glimpses of real quality this season. And so, yeah, the, the new signings have been have been absolutely quality. No, I think I think that's it. And when I saw Watkins sign, I thought it was a really interesting move because he did really well at Brentford last season. And you know as well as I do that step up from the Championship to the Premier League can be a big one if you're not careful. And some players that mm-hmm. you think will make it don't. Some who you're not quite sure of do. Um, I think sort of Villa have been really canny in their signings. And, you know, we, we had Martinez at, on loan at Wolves, uh, what, four years plus ago now? And of course, yeah, he, of course. He, You know, he played about half a dozen games and it didn't do badly. And we had Kimi at that point. It didn't quite happen for him. You know, almost on a personal level, I'm, I'm really happy. He's almost getting a, you know, he's a first choice goalie yeah. somewhere because he, he definitely deserves it. You can see with, you know, the passion he plays with and, you know, 20 million for a goalkeeper, some might raise their eyebrows at it, but you know, he seems to be a step up um, on, on the revolving door of goalkeepers that Villa have had um, in the last couple of seasons, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I think with Ross Barkley, uh, he is a, you know, he, he's a difficult player to almost judge in a way because when he is on form, he is a, you know, he, he is an England international player, isn't he? Um, it's just about making sure yeah. you can get the most out of him. I get a uh, week in week out, and so far for Villa, it seems to be uh, it seems to be very much happening for him. It's just a shame the uh, the injuries come up at the same time. It it, it has done really. Um, I, I guess sort of as you mentioned, sort of you missed the. I was going to say you missed um, the the game against Newcastle um, was postponed last weekend mm-hmm. due to a COVID outbreak um, in the Newcastle camp. Um, I, I guess with a sort of a bit of a dip in form. Um, prior to the Newcastle game. Do you think the kind of the extra time off would give them the Villa players a bit of time to reassess and hopefully sort of move forward? Unfortunately against Wolves, I guess. Yeah, well it's it's a that's a really tough question and it's difficult to say. And I don't think you know on the one hand I'm sort of inclined to say because of the sheer amount of games that teams are playing this season and, and we saw that when we came back into the Brighton game because Jack went away with England played all three games came back three games later he had a game against Brighton then a week later we had a game against West Ham and the volume of games you know it's in that Brighton game when you know he just played those three games for England come back four games later you know he's leading the side out and Jack's not a player that obviously in, in this Villa side that we have the privilege to sort of drop out after 
60 minutes and give a rest to you know because of the nature of the game like Jack we rely on Jack heavily and so you know Jack's needed to as a, as our captain to be with the team for 90 minutes and he's, he's he wasn't at his best in, in that Brighton game to say the least and I'm sort of inclined to say that because of the sheer volume of fixtures at the moment that any break is a good thing but you know, our, our, our next game after you guys is Burnley at home. And if I was going into that game, I'd be saying, yeah, it's, it's completely positive. But given the nature of, of this Wolves game, the fact that we have to go to Molyneux, the fact that we have to sort of rev ourselves up for a derby game and how quickly, you know, the, the nature of the way that you guys play, how intense your style is, the, the way that you press, is going to be difficult for Villa, who are, you know, who have on a lot of occasions this season started started slowly. I mean, you know, just a few weeks ago, we went into half-time 3-0 down against Southampton at home. Um, it's For a side that starts slowly, I do have those little inklings that maybe that two-week game will just cause Villa to be a little bit sluggish in those early phases. And you're just a side that, you know, even without Raul Jimenez, and I just want to say it's, it's so terrible what, what's happened to him. And I was really pleased to see that he's out and back with his family. You know, he's out of hospital now. And even without Raul Jimenez, you just have so many different threats in the side, which you know, I'd love to talk about. And um, that's my only fear with this little two-week break is that it's going to be quite hard to get ourselves back up to match pace in a game like this after that extended spell. No, I think you, you can again. So sort of, I think you're completely right that it, it, a break can sometimes be a really good thing for players, and you know, give them that chance to recalibrate and move forward um but sometimes almost a little bit too long if they're not quite ready to come, come out the traps quickly and it's interesting that you sort of said that bright uh, that villa are slow starters sorry uh because that is often something that's held uh, against the wolves uh squad that we tend to sort of peak later in games it's only been uh you know against the uh, against the arsenal that we really sort of stepped it up in the first half and we showed what we're about and it was interesting that we talked about kind of summer signings um and you know Goalkeeper signed off perfect. Few midfielders. Matty Cash is coming as well. I, I, I'd have quite liked to have seen down walls if you want my honest opinion, because uh, I think he fits our mould. Say Barkley and Watkins, but the defence is probably still a bit of that question mark. And if they're not quite on their game, I say Wolves are without him and as for for a foreseeable future. And, you know, we'll, we'll touch on to the game at the weekend in a second, but um, you know, it's good. Wolves still have quite a lot of pace going forward. And, you know, if we've got the likes of Traore, Podence, Neto, you know, that is a quick forward line to um, to put those defenders under pressure. If it's still arguably the weaker aspect of the team um, on paper um, for, from sort of, from, I guess, from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, you, you make a very fair point. And the defence has been so hard to gauge this season because... Away from home, it's it's been really interesting. One, so obviously, we, we our last game we lost two one against West Ham, and that was those were the first away goals we conceded all season. But at home, you know, you go through the season. We obviously, you know, we've shipped four at home against Southampton. We then conceded two against Brighton, and those kind of you know West going right back to the start of the season. Um, we lost one nil at home to Stoke in the EFL Cup. And so it's it's been really weird in, in terms of how we go away from home and we seem to be able to do a relatively got a good job of, of keeping things intact in back there. But at home, we sort of fade out and you guys have been defensively 
pretty impeccable at home. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think you've conceded fewer home goals than any other side in the league this season. You've kept eight clean sheets in your last 12 games at Molyneux. Um, you guys have been really solid back there. And so, you know, if, if you're looking at sort of the, the trends and how we seem to be a, do a rel- relatively good job of shutting up shop away from home um, and you guys are, are good defensively at home, then it suggests we're quite a tight affair. But I, I, I don't know. I can't see that, to be honest with you. I think... Um, the one lad that stood out at the back for us this season, it's someone that seems to constantly go under the radar, is Esri Konza, yeah. um, who, for me, is better than Tyrone Mings. And, and Tyrone Mings is, is the one that gets all the plaudits. He's the one that gets the England call-up. And I think he's, he's helped because of he's got that versatility whereby we saw him play at left-back quite a lot for Bournemouth. And he's got that left foot, which not too many English centre-backs have. Um, but Esri Konza has outperformed and is certainly more consistent than Tyrone. Um, and so you never really know, as, as has been the case with the whole Villa team this season, you never really know what you're going to get from that back line. I think it helps a lot, as you were saying, that we've sort of had that carousel of goalkeepers go around in the last few seasons that we've seemingly got that nailed down in uh, Emi Martinez. Because, uh, you know, even last season, we started off with Tom Heaton. He then got injured. We had Jed Steer play games. We had Oya Nealon play games. We then signed Pepe Reina in January and he played out until the rest of the season. So we had four goalkeepers that used last season. So it's nice that we've got Emmy to sit in behind that back line and sort of be a consistent figure there. But yeah, it's it's such as the nature of our season so far, it's, it's quite unpredictable. And the defence is probably a picture of that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the game of the weekend, because you know we're we're, we're very close to uh, go, going on to it, and I've got say a few thoughts on it. Um, just briefly, what would classify as a successful season for Villa um, this year? Because you know you, you stayed up last year, which is literally the only you know as, as a promoted team, it, it's pretty much the number one goal to finish seventeenth mm-hmm. and above, hit about forty points, and kind of go from there. But you know, it seems to be a, le- a level of optimism around Villa this season. Um, so, I-, I guess, sort of, what what's kind of the aim for this year? Um, is it sort of just to, I guess, finish mid mid table? Is that sort of the next kind of step for the club? Then it's it's one of those whereby you know we sit twelfth in the league at the moment, and and that I think wherever you are in the league, whoever whatever side you are, if you progress five positions at the table from one season to the next. I think that has to be classified as a success. And we finished 17th last season. We're sat in 12. And if you'd offered me 12th at the start of the season, uh, I would have I would snapped your arm off, to be honest with you, because each one of our last three seasons has gone down to this big do or die game. Because if you take it back to the championship, we had the playoff final against Fulham, where Tom Kearney scored and we lose. Next season, we had the playoff final against Derby, where we go up. And then last season I, I don't know if you remember we, we had that game at West Ham whereby on the last day of the season it was sort of us or them and we needed to go to West Ham to get a point to stay up we, we scrapped and we fought Jack Reed's got the goal we got that point and we stayed up and like it sounds quite you know bad really but I would just love mid-table mediocrity for one season like you know it all said and done by April I haven't got a worry no threats of relegation so if you offered me 12 at the start of the season that would have been great but we really turned some heads early on in the season. You know, we were sitting as high as second at one point. You know, it was us and Everton at the start of the season after three or four games. Um, 
and uh, it sort of built a sense of optimism. But as I said at the start, you know, the top of the pod, that I think we are starting to see the Villa plateau out. And I think this sort of range from 12th to about 9th is probably where you'll see the Villa end up. And hey, you know, if, if we move up the league table by seven or eight positions, that that is a huge, huge success. No, I completely agree. And it's funny because Wolves are in a, almost, it's been called a transition season because we feel, we when we came up originally, uh, we finished seventh, which is fantastic. But then we finished again seventh last season as well with York, which is great. I sound mm-hmm. like I'm just humble bragging now. It's not meaning to be. It's almost <laughs> not like at all. Not at all. Um, do you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. well, if the aim is yeah, to no, absolutely. You know, keep absolutely. progressing, you know, to hit that top six it is quite hard, isn't it, um, for us? And I, I almost envy in a way that, not, not that we didn't start so well, but actually, I'd, I'd, I think I, I think prior to a couple of the signings, I think I had Villa pegged down for relegation um, from from last season. Mm-hmm. But those, the, I say, the scoring of the spines made such a big difference. I don't think there's any fears of relegation, considering there is at least three teams worse than you. So it's it's almost how how high you can finish up. And um, one one thing that is particularly notable I find about the Premier League is that there are a lot of very average teams in this league. And if you can get points against them, and to be fair, that includes Wolves to a certain extent, but if you can beat the likes of um, those mid-table teams um, on a consistent basis to get points, you don't have to move up the table quite quickly. And I think Villa have started the season well with a couple of high-profile results against Liverpool, against Arsenal. And it's just a question of how many of those additional games you can beat for teams in and around the, that, that middle patch, really. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's probably the slightly concerning thing is that we, we haven't really managed to do that. You know, we've lost to Brighton, we've you know, Southampton. I'm sort of a bit hesitant to include in that mould because of how well they're doing this season. But, you know, no, they're probably, again, a side that we're going to be competing with around this season. We've, we've lost to them. We lost 3-0 to Leeds. We lost to West Ham. Um, and so, but you know, then again, you flip that over. We've beaten Leicester away, we've beaten Liverpool, we've beaten Arsenal. It's so difficult. And you know, as I said, you know, there's no better stat to tell you how topsy turvy this season has been. Than we've played nine games, we've got two games in hand, and we haven't drawn one yet. We've either lost or we've won, and you know, we've scored 20 goals, we've conceded 13. It's, it's a really bizarre sort of um flip-flop season with the Villa uh, and I think you know th- this run of games we've we've got those games coming up that you talk about you know we've got Wolves whereby you're probably you know a side that are further down the line than us probably better pound for pound but one that in a derby game you know Villa fans will be going into this game you know and a, a point isn't or, or a win is, is never a million miles away you know you guys are obviously the favourites and I, I will sort of preview that one but there's always that chance given how we've played against the better teams but then we've got Burnley we've got West Brom we've got Palace and those are the games whereby you're like right okay that's where we need to be getting our points from and that's what we haven't been doing this season so um, we've sort of been punching above our weight in some games but under it in others yeah, I think uh, say if you've got Burnley, West Brom, and Palace, you you'd definitely be hoping for you know set six seven points out of nine on those. But um, mm-hmm. we'll be back after a short break, and we'll chat about the game coming up on. Did you know this podcast is powered by Acast? 
ACAST is the home of podcasting for creators looking for freedom to grow their listeners and make money too. And creative brands looking for smart ways to advertise. Podcasters and advertisers in the know know ACAST. It's time you did too. Visit ACAST.com to find out more. ACAST for the stories. Saturday. Hi, Richard here. Before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling, um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, wolvesfancast.com, please go check it out. But they're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. There's basically nothing they can't do marketing-wise, so make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com and I'll let you get back to enjoying the show. Welcome back. So, as we have said, Wolves will be playing Villa on Saturday at the early 12.30 kickoff. Um, as we sort of said, I think it's quite an even contest um, going into this. Wolves have um, had a had a difficult game um, on Sunday against Liverpool where we sort of, well, got handed um, a 4-0 drubbing at the end of it. And it, there are parts of it were, that were positive, but, you know, there was a bit of a defensive collapse in the second half which was never good and we've had two of those this season but on paper we still have a very strong uh, team despite Jimenez's uh, long-term absence um I guess it's almost a, a say it's in a way it's almost a tale of um two injuries so how, how do you kind of see Villa lining up without Barkley do you think it'll be sort of very much a like-for-like replacement with uh, someone else kind of dropping into a bit more of a attacking midfield role or do you think it will sort of be a very much a bit of a shift to as you mentioned earlier, to make sure Greenish has still got that additional support around him? That's such a difficult question to answer. And that's the big question mark in this side, because, you know, Ross Barkley went off after, I think, 45 seconds in the Brighton game. And and Dean Smith's answer to that was to put in um, Bertrand Traore, who's another one of our summer signings. We signed him from Leon for about 20 million that we haven't actually seen yet. And his response was to drop him into the 10 role in a 4-2-3-1, um, just a like for like with Barkley. And it's not, a, you know, Bertrand Troy is more, uh, certainly more of a winger. He's not really suited to that role. It didn't really work in that game. Louisa McGinn didn't have the cover. We then against West Ham decided to drop in Connor Horahan in that like for like swap that, that you were talking about in a 4-3-3, whereby Horahan operated on the left-hand side of the midfield. Um, you know, he hasn't played for us since September, Conor Horan, and he looked a little bit off the pace in that game and probably didn't help in, in that 2-1 loss. And so there's a bit of a question mark now whereby do you drop someone like Marvellous Nakamba, who's one of our holding midfielders, into the base of that midfield and then push McGinn or Louise up to fill that Barkley role and a bit more of a defensive setup or... Do you go back to Bertrand Traore or do you try Conor Horahan and just try and build his match fitness and getting him up to pace? You know, it's, it's a really difficult one. I don't envy Dean Smith for having to make that decision. My honest opinion is I think it will be a similar line to what we saw against West Ham. And I think Conor Horahan will be the one just because it's, it's your safest bet. It's the closest thing we have to a like for like. But there is that drop off from, from Barkley to the likes of Conor. But, you know, you guys have a similar problem this season whereby... 
well, not this season, as such in, in recent games since that Jimenez injury, where you, you, you guys have tried a few different formations this season, it seems, and be it a 3-5-2 or the 3-4-3. And I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be a 4-3-3 against Liverpool, you know, where you try to match the man for man. And without Jimenez, um, it, do you think it will be young Fabio Silva leading the line? Well, I think you've raised a good point. And I think prior to about two weeks ago, um, if we were having this conversation, I think you'd have kind of said, well, Wolves are going to either play 3-5-2, 3-4-3, and you've been able to name eight out of the 11 starters pretty comfortably. Now, it's a pretty much a big question mark. We did well playing with a back four um, relatively well against Southampton. We created chances. We beat Arsenal playing the same formation. Um, Jimenez gets injured early. Silver comes in and does, an ab- does a good job, to be fair, for a young lad, and it acts as a real pivot point for the... Um, attacking players around him, or at least I thought anyway. And then I think Liverpool, it, it was a tough game um, and they went almost without a striker. Um, went Still kind of kept three at the back. Cody makes, I was going to say, an uncharacteristic error. He only seems to make errors against Merseyside teams, apparently. Um, where <laughs> if you look at, uh, interestingly, I don't, I don't know what it is, but um, I think... I saw an opt stat where you know he's he's led to sort of four you know errors that have led to goals. Three of them have been against Liverpool, one's against Everton or something silly. So you know he's he's a consistent defender anyway. But you know he he played well in a back four against um, Arsenal. So there's no real qualms against it. I think it just the, the game almost just got way too ahead of themselves. Almost the almost what happened to Liverpool against Villa happened to us against Liverpool that as soon as that second mm-hmm. went in, their heads dropped. But, uh, you know, we attacked well in the first half and we created a couple of chances. Personally, I'm, I'm almost a little bit old school in a way, but I like to have a central striker, a number nine who plays can pivot off. Um, it's just mm-hmm. a question of whether Silver's, um, I was going to say, it sounds harsh, I'm going to say good enough, but he's in the first team. He, he came for a lot of money. Um, with mm. not a lot of experience, um, but you know, he, he is the only other senior striker we have at the moment. And uh, personally, I, I'd start him against Villa and still and almost go for that 4 2 3 1 uh, with Traore, Podence, and Neto just behind Silver because you know, Traore in his day can cause anyone, um, anyone issues. It's just about finding that day. Neto's really stepped up for us this season, and Podence has been a you know, he's really kind of found his feet at Molyneux now. Um, it, it, I think it's going to be very interesting what you say Wolves have got a, a very good home record um, the past sort of dozen games or so Villa seem to be doing better away from home as well in terms of keeping clean sheets but I feel there's almost quite an opportunity for goals in this game so if, if both teams kind of approach it how they um, how they have been um, I must say like I mentioned earlier what, a signing who interested me in the summer was, was Matty Cash coming in on the right hand side and when um, Doherty got moved on, I was, I wouldn't go as far as disappointed because Samedo's come in and done a good job so far, but he has suddenly seemed to fit a, um, you know, who would have really fitted into sort of, I think, a wing-back role at Apples. Um, I guess if, apart from, I guess, the obvious Grealish and Watkins, sort of who should Wolves be um, really sort of keeping an eye out um, in the game on Saturday? No, it's, it's a good point to raise about Matty Cash. And we've been so impressed on the whole with how he's, you know, you talked earlier about how 
that step up from the Championship to the Premier League can be quite sharp at points. Um, and players can struggle to, um, you know, make that step up. And it was a bit of a shame for Matty Cash because the context around his signing whereby, you know, we finished the season and it was clear that we needed investment. We needed a step up in quality and we needed it quickly. And we didn't make our first signing until September the 3rd which was Matty Cash. And so Villa had been waiting. And as the time went by and we went through all of, you know, July, all of August without having making a signing, there was a sense in Villa fans whereby, okay, you know, we've waited a long time. This first signing is going to be a big one. Like, you know, it's going to be worth waiting for. And then it's Matty Cash. And that's no detriment to Matty in that, but Villa fans were expecting, you know, a real household name, maybe a new striker or something like that. And Matty Cash came in for 14 million pounds and it was sort of like a, hmm, okay, um, but he's been brilliant this season. You know, and when he turns it on, he can provide a real threat down the right-hand side. Um, Grealish and, and Watkins are obviously the danger men, but um, we signed Birch and Traore to replace Trezeguet uh, on that right-hand side. Trezeguet was a real weak link last season. I think he actually he scored a consolation goal at Molyneux last season, um, but you know, it was clear for a lot of last season that Trezeguet wasn't up to it. Um, and he's really stepped up this season. He hasn't quite got the goals to show for it yet. He needs to make that step up. But, you know, he's who scored highest rated player in the Premier League to have not scored a goal yet this season, <laughs> which I'm not sure is, if that's something to be, to be proud of yet or not. Um, but it just sort of shows that he's really up-leveled that all-round game. He works so tirelessly. Um, and he is, you know, really stepping up in that regard. But... Esri Kansas is starting to come up with a few goals now. He scored seven goals uh, in the last few months of Villa, which is a, is a very decent return for a centre-back and, and one that's only just over six foot as well. He um, poses a bit of a, a threat from, from set pieces and corners. Um, so the main threat is, is obviously Jack Grealish and, and it will always be. And uh, he's, he's a player who has taken his game to a completely different level this season. Um, and he, he, you know... He, you guys beat us twice last season and for Jack being a local lad, um, he's going to be wanting to, to come out and, and prove something against you guys. So it's, it's a big game on, on his part and I, I'm interested to see how he steps up to that plate. No, definitely. I think especially with sort of Wolves' um, defensive, I wouldn't quite call it um, fragilities at the moment, but, you know, we're still kind of finding our feet. It's going to be interesting to sort of see our play of um, Grish's quality. Um works on it because you know he's one of those where you say he is very he is villa through and through and you know there's a part of him where you love to hate him um but you know from the outside looking in if he if he wasn't playing for essentially a local rival can't you can't deny how, how good he is even with some of the um, additional um stuff around his play but all, all players are like that so you know I, I won't necessarily go into it because <laughs> it's, it's one of them and you know no, you can always sli- you can alone. sling it back back and forth quite easily especially with um say what Connor Cody did on the, on Sunday as well in terms of <laughs> with a penalty so there's there's very little uh, more well, high a, ground in terms of judging players actions he looked there. so sheepish after he did that I mean you know even his face was like did I just do that like I bless him I, I, I'm a really real big admirer of Connor Cody and uh, yeah his face his face after he did that was a picture bless him you can tell that's not his way of playing no exactly I mean you, you, you've mentioned Cody then I mean are there any other sort of Villa players uh, sorry Villa players any sort of Wolves players that um, um, sort of you interested in sort of watching a bit closer on uh, Saturday? Well, at the top of the 
season um over on our podcast we, we did a little preview of the season and um you know in each team we picked out you know a player that we we're expecting to stand out and um mine was Daniel Pedence yeah he's a player that um I thought was a real good signing because you signed it back in the January didn't you yeah um and he was a player that I I, I was really excited to see in the Premier League you know he he so made for a name for himself way back at Port, uh, sorry at Sporting um had a good season with Olympiacos was coming in and I was really looking forward to to see what he could do, especially in a side like yours. And it, it took him a little while to get into the frame, but um, no, I, I really like what Daniel Pedence offers, and that that goal against Arsenal was lovely. Um, Pe- Pedro Neto as well. I mean, you guys have done a, a fantastic job of keeping him under the radar because I, I every time I watch him, I, I'm really impressed. Um, I mean, Adama is a player that Villa fans know well. Uh, obviously, you know, with with his time with us, we we definitely didn't get his better years and I think one thing that Nuno deserves huge credit for is how he's nurtured Adama and given him that not just an end product now but you know again to to reference that Arsenal game which you know I thought you guys were so impressive in he's found a way to operate in the middle third now you know he played that lovely uh, three ball after that nice little roulette which I think came before the Pedence goal um and he has you know added more than just an end product to his game and so when he turns it on, um, you know, Adama is, is always a threat. But yeah, Pedro Neto and um, and Daniel Pedence are, are, are really good players. And I'm also a fan of Fabio Silva. I, I mean, he's a player that, you know, that's a signing that really raised eyebrows, especially given the fee to pay for an 18-year-old. I don't think too many people knew about him. But, you know, he, he's the youngest kid to ever play for Porto. And for a club with, with that kind of academy, um, to, to hold that, you've got to be a serious talent. You know, he went on, he got first team goals with them, got three or four uh, in, in about 10 games or something like that. And so I'm really excited. You know, he's, he's definitely one for a future. And I think it's a, it's a shame that he's sort of been thrust into the team like this in the wake of Jimenez because they're massive boots to fill with, with Jimenez. I mean, you know, you've got some seriously big clubs that are going to be looking for strikers when, it when you know, the next transfer window rolls around the likes of Barcelona and, and, and stuff like that who are going to be searching for number nine. And I don't think they could do much worse than, than Raul Jimenez. Uh, yeah, he's a really good player and it's a shame for Silva to be sort of thrust into that position and then I have to fill those boots because Jimenez is, is the the guy in that Wolves team um, but no Neto and, and Pedence are, I'm, I'm big admirers of yeah I think uh, I was going to say completely agree with all the points and I think I'll sort of pick out the Neto one in particular because when he signed it, it was, he came as a joint deal with a um, another player called Bruno Jordao and at the time he was Bruno um, was the, was Bruno Jordao uh, Jordao was the one who was sort of a bit more highly rated Um but Neto just seems to, it's almost like every game he's played, he's improved a little bit more. He's bulked up in the last 12 months as well, particularly, you know, the first few months of the season. He was coming in, he was looking very lightweight, but he's clearly worked on that aspect of his game. And ever since pretty much a year ago now, when he was sort of becoming a first team regular, every game he seems to just improve that little bit more, which is exactly what you want from a young player. Um, so, you know, I think. Again, he seems to be quietly just doing the business for us and step stepping up and producing chances. And it's, it's going to be interesting to sort of see how Wolves do without Jimenez. I'd be surprised if we don't go for a striker in January, um, whether it's just a short-term deal or, or, or almost having sort of a 
level of competition for him. Um, but before we wrap up uh, today's show, as I said, it, it's going to be an interesting game on Saturday. It, there's, I think it's going to be quite an open game as well. But what do you think the score is going to be, Dan? That's a, that's a very good question. Um, you know, my heart says uh, I can't see us going and winning, to be honest with you. You know, we're a completely different animal with with Barkley in the side. And um, we we are just, without Barkley, we are a little bit too much like last season in midfield. We lack a real dynamism and a sense to be able to dictate and control games and just have that added threat coming from the middle of the park. Um, so a, a win, whilst it's not off the cards given our way form, I I just can't see it given how we played in our last two games. So my my head says a, a two one loss, but my heart says a two two draw. I think it will be really close, but yeah, two two or two one to you guys, I think is probably going to be my prediction. Unfortunately, I was going to say uh, mine was going to be two two uh, for the same reasons as yourself. But I'm a bit anxious about how Wolves are doing defensively at the moment. Um, you know, we we do seem to be shifting to a back four, and they're still working out the kinks of it. But at the same time, uh, we do we do have a level of firepower, as do Villa. So I'm hoping it's going to be a really entertaining game. Um, I can see it being a draw. I'm just hopeful that hoping that it's going to be an entertaining one rather than sort of a nil-nil uh, dull fest. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Me too. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us today, uh, Dan. Hopefully we can catch up after the game um, on Saturday. Sure. But um, sure. yeah, thanks very much for joining us. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. Big thanks to Dan Wiseman from the Heart of Holt podcast there. We'll be back after the video game to review uh, the match. In the meantime, make sure you check out our YouTube page where we've got lots of great content coming out from FIFA Greek to Gully's tactical analysis to the uh, post-match reviews from fans from all across the world. Make sure you keep with us on social media on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as well as YouTube as we just said and also big thanks to our sponsors Pixel Yeti Media as always. Have a good day. We look forward to catching you guys soon. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a new season we recommend. I'm Sam Bungie, one of the hosts of West Cork, a story about a community on the far south coast of Ireland that became a kind of paradise for people looking for a fresh start. And nobody knew their past. You could be who you wanted to be rather than who you really were. Then one newcomer was murdered and another was suspected of doing it. I see him in the market and really he's always trying to be normal and trying to get people to like him but we all know don't we listen to west cork now on acast acast, A-Cast. 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 recommends